Hi there, I'm James Dapache, and this is Coffee and a Case Note. Team, today we are going to talk about an applicant for freezing orders on an interlocutory basis. This is someone coming before the court that wants to say, don't deal with those assets until something else later in the litigation happens. What are we talking about today? Well, we've got a few natural persons. We've got someone who I'm going to refer to as our plaintiff. Um, we'll just call them the plaintiff, uh, even though there was another plaintiff, but don't worry about that. And we've got two natural persons, real <coughs> flesh and blood people. We'll call those the defendants, even though there were some other defendants as well. So we've got the plaintiff, flesh and blood, the two defendants who we're dealing with today, flesh and blood, and they enter into an agreement. And together what they agree is that they are going to incorporate a company and that company is going to provide some aluminium windows, aluminium glazing, that sort of thing, to the building industry. They're going to provide, supply these materials to builders. And that happens. So they go ahead and incorporate the company. Now, the basis of it is that our two defendants are experienced in the building industry. So they're going to sweat, they're going to toil, they're going to work hard. And that our plaintiff uh, is going to invest a million dollars. And our plaintiff has a bit of experience with accounting and with numbers and that sort of thing. And so our plaintiff is going to go ahead and bring a little bit of expertise, but substantially the money to the situation. Now, what happens is the <clears throat> plaintiff, and you can tell the plaintiff has a problem because they're the plaintiff, they're the person bringing the application, um, has a problem and wants to seek relief and wants to seek relief pursuant to Section 232 of the Corporations Act, we sometimes call corporate oppression, and Section 236 of the Corporations Act that we sometimes call a derivative action. Essentially, what the plaintiff says is the way this company's been run is unfair, and the way this company's been run involves a breach of director's duties. So I want an oppression remedy for the unfairness, uh, or, and or um, I want leave to bring an application in the company's shoes to pursue the directors for the breach of their duties. <coughs> Now that's what the plaintiff wants at the end. Right now is what we're talking about. Right now we're talking about the freezing orders that the plaintiff is after. What the plaintiff wants is the plaintiff wants the court's help to freeze, to stop the defendants from dealing with certain assets and to require the defendants to maintain the level of their assets up to a certain level. And that level is $10 million. So it's a substantial amount. And so, when is the court going to grant a freezing order of this kind? Well, um, the short answer is, the court's going to do it when the court is satisfied that there's reasonably good prospects of the plaintiff, of the person seeking the freezing order, winning the final hearing, that they've got a pretty good claim. And then secondly, that there is some risk of the assets being dissipated or in the alternative, leaving the jurisdiction, right? There's some reason to protect these assets because as you can imagine, it's a pretty severe and violent thing to do to stop someone from dealing with the assets that belong to them. So the court wants there to be a good claim and the court wants there to be a real risk that these assets are gonna be dissipated or they're gonna leave the jurisdiction. And so the court then has to get into the claim. Right. Um, the claim is essentially our plaintiff saying, um, the way this company has been run is that I've been shut out, and indeed the defendants have incorporated a company and have funneled away business that should have gone to the company we incorporated together, but they've funneled it away to their own company. And broadly speaking, they, uh, he says, look, I've been shut out. They, they say I've been shut out. Now, um, what the defendants say is they say, look, broadly speaking, that's arguable. Um, but we disagree and we say if it went to final hearing we would win. And the reason the defendants say that 
is they say that the plaintiff came to sort of disengage from the business, um, that the plaintiff caused uh, their loan to be repaid because the plaintiff was holding the purse strings of the company at many of the relevant times, uh, and in essence that there was an agreement reached, and even if there was money diverted away to a company related to the defendants, um, that money diverted away was not secretly and improperly diverted. It was diverted in circumstances where um, the company incorporated just by the defendants without the plaintiff had the specific expertise uh, and provided the specific products that the company they were all in together did not provide. Now, also relevant to this um, is our next step. So, sorry, I should just say while we're here that broadly speaking, the court is satisfied that there is some question of substance to be discussed here. There is going to be something at the final hearing. There is a genuine argument in favour of what the plaintiff says. And so remember the next question is about the asset dissipation. Is the court going to actually make these freezing orders, these asset preservation orders? There's a distinction between asset preservation orders and injunctions for the purpose of preserving assets that the court gets into. Uh, I won't put you to sleep with it here, um, but if you want to grab a coffee and discuss it another time, I'd be delighted. In essence, what the court then says is, right, we're satisfied that um, there is a genuine claim here. So then the next question is, are these assets going to be dissipated? Um, is it appropriate that we say, you've got to hold assets up to a value of 10 million? Now this 10 million is a bit of a problem for the plaintiff. And it's a problem partly of their own making. Because what the plaintiff did was issue all these notices to produce, these documents that require the production of documents by the other parties before the hearing. They said, we want all the accounts, all the bank balance, balances, all the VAS statements, all the tax returns. We want to get all this financial material so we can make our argument. Now the defendants showed up without that material and the plaintiffs elected to continue on in any case. So the plaintiffs are marching on without real evidence as to the financial position of the company. And what that means is they don't have real strong evidence of how much the company is worth and indeed how much the plaintiff can say was lost by the defendants diverting this money away. And so what the plaintiff does is say, well, in 2019, the profit margin was 40%, and 40% of this much is that. Uh, and so in 2020, 40% of what we earned in 2020 was this, and in 2021, 40% of what was earned was this. So I'll just apply that profit margin again, and we'll do that calculation. And um, there are some challenges um, arising from that, um, including uh, the court notes that doesn't really deal with the uh, fairly prominent COVID pandemic uh, that came into play in 2020 that some of you might be familiar with. And so the court has some challenges with this. So this $10 million figure is not one the court's really satisfied can be reached. Now, in relation to the assets leaving the jurisdiction or being dissipated, what the court finds is the defendants are in there trading um, and trying to get a foothold in this aluminium building products industry. So it's not really in their interest to bring themselves to zero and then skip town. They're really interested in maintaining their relationships with builders and being you know, reliable business people, uh, maintaining their relationships. And so the court says it doesn't seem that there's a real risk of these assets being dissipated or of leaving the jurisdiction. What then is considered is this challenging position where the plaintiff has incorporated a new company with a very similar name to the company we're arguing about, and the defendants have a company that's very similar to the name of the company they were both arguing about. And indeed, both of these companies in a perverse situation end up tendering for some of the same work. And you can imagine the developer saying, oh, which of this company with an extremely similar name uh, and has similar people, though now uh, no longer speaking to each other or no longer getting along, 
does it deal with? So there are perverse scenarios like that that pop up. And what the court eventually does is say, look, we're not going to make the violent um, freezing orders originally sought by the plaintiff, but we are going to make orders for the preservation of the company's business and for profits to be set aside, as well as there to be full accounts provided of those businesses. So the plaintiff sort of gets what they want in a broad sense, but perhaps not as complete or violent, put that way, um, as might have intended. And because the plaintiff only sort of got what they want, the court said, look, I'll hear submissions about costs, but I think it's appropriate that costs be in the cause rather than costs following the event. Thank you very much. Uh, and so what we might say is from a practical perspective, um, the plaintiff might have got, broadly speaking, what they were after, but perhaps not quite as severe as they might have been hoping for. And I hope that discussion assisted you, and I look forward to joining you again soon for another coffee and another case note. Cheers. <laughs>